This is Rainmaker FM, the digital marketing podcast network. It's built on the Rainmaker platform, which empowers you to build your own digital marketing and sales platform. Start your free 14-day trial at rainmaker.fm slash platform. That's rainmaker.fm slash platform. Hello there. It's so good to see you again. Welcome back to Copyblogger FM, the content marketing podcast. Copyblogger FM is about emerging content marketing trends, interesting disasters, and enduring best practices, along with the occasional rant. My name is Sonia Simone. I'm the Chief Content Officer for Rainmaker Digital, and I hang out with the folks who do the heavy lifting over on the Copyblogger blog. You can always find additional links and show notes at copyblogger.fm, as well as the complete archive for the series. So anybody who has seen the news, wherever it is that you might live, knows that the Independence Day week in the United States was a really tough, tough week. Uh, We had some very brutal, very difficult stories culminating in a peaceful protest in Dallas, Texas, where a sniper attacked the protest, killed five police officers, wounded some other officers and civilians. So just a very tough Um, Very tough time and a lot of conversations sparked by the week. And those conversations, you know, were about some very deep themes in American culture and American politics, a lot of grief, a lot of calls to action, and a lot of very, very powerful conversation. And sometimes that was across purposes and sometimes it was very constructive. So what I thought might be useful this week, it's been so much on my mind, is just to unpack a little bit about how we write, how we speak, how we film when we're intending to persuade or attempting to have a complex conversation about a controversial topic and see if there's anything I might be able to do to help more conversations fall onto that constructive side. So for many years now on Copyblogger, we've talked about taking a stand about the things that matter the most to you. And that includes taking a stand in your business-oriented content. When you stand up for your values, when you stand up for your beliefs, then you will tend to pull some people closer to you and you will, you know, push some others away. So I don't want to trivialize the conversation in any way by leaning too hard on the business value of what we're going to talk about today. But On the other side of it, it's a content marketing podcast. We talk about the business value of different kinds of communication. So I'll just underline the point lightly. Learning to be more skillful about controversial content and controversial content around your values is a relevant topic for business-oriented content. It's important to handle these things with respect. It's important to handle them skillfully. And that's whether we're talking about a larger societal issue or a controversy in your topic. So no intent of any kind to trivialize any of the important conversations taking place. But I think that there are some rhetorical, you know, um, positions that you can take that will help your thinking and help your conversations. So the first thought I have on this is that it's very useful to know your own strengths and know your own tendencies. You know, everybody has a communication style and 
each one of us has things that we're good at communicating and then things that we're less skillful at. So some folks out there, some of you listening to this right now, are wired to really take a strong, passionate position and articulate it really beautifully and clearly. And that's a great thing to be able to do. So if that's you, you know, go ahead and play to it. I mean, say what you believe and and say it strongly and clearly. Although, of course, I always would advocate doing that with respect and with keeping an eye on your own biases. The the pitfall at times with people who are real passionate, uh, you know, voices like that is sometimes you can get so caught up in what you believe that you forget to look around and make sure that, um, you know, just check your own position and make sure that uh, that what you're arguing for is is fair and right. So for myself, I happen to be, I'm always that person who can look at both sides and then start to see where the middle ground starts to appear. Um, I have no idea why I'm like this. It's probably a question for, you know, a good therapist perhaps, but that's it's always been very much who I am. I can always, um, I immediately start looking for, do we have common ground here? Do we have some space that both sides could share? So I did, um, you know, like like many of us, uh, not just in the United States, but around the world, I, I spoke a great deal about some of the events of last week on Facebook. For me, Facebook is 100% personal, whereas my Twitter account is more of the public presence. And as I was talking about what I believed and exploring my beliefs and exploring what I thought, you know, would be useful to do next, I tried to look for resources that had that foot in both sides. So for example, in this particular case, I was looking for resources and accounts and um, statements and recommendations from people who are members of law enforcement, but who also had thoughts on what needed to be improved. Uh, within the law enforcement community. So because I've been writing for a long time, I know what kind of writing and what kind of argumentation I'm good at. You know, I'm good at looking for fairness. I'm good at um, nudging perception rather than, you know, shouting it. So uh, convincing people incrementally. There are other people who are wonderful at mobilizing passion, speaking very clearly and purely, and motivating very committed people to take action. So these are both very valid ways of communicating around a strong topic. And you want to know who you are. You know, you want to know what you're good at and where you tend to be most persuasive. So my quest for the middle ground leads me to the next point, which is that sometimes communication around a, a difficult subject or a a controversial one, is you can start to get into this idea that the truth is always somewhere in the middle. And in fact, that's not true. So that's the second thought that I have to share with you on this. Um, When I was in college, my favorite history professor told us something and it has always stuck with me. He said, if one source tells you that the wall is red and the other source tells you that the wall is white, that does not mean the wall is pink. So in other words, very important, of course, for a historian to be thinking about this, some sources are simply unreliable. They did not witness it firsthand, or, you know, they heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody, or they have a reason for perhaps shaping the story a little more than is um, warranted. So, you know, anybody who's spent any time online knows that some scientific studies use fake data. 
many scientific studies use poor methodology. And many, I think probably most scientific studies have just never been replicated. So you can't really rely on them because no one's ever been able to reproduce the results. So any of us can find a study to support pretty much any conclusion you want to come up with. But we need to look for the studies that are well-conducted. And the same thing is true for the news reports. You know, especially now, we're in the post-journalism era, the citizen journalism era. That means that a lot of what comes out as news has not been fact-checked. And of course, a lot of it has been... The person reporting the story has a preconception of what they're going to find. And because of that, we can always find a news report that supports a particular conclusion, what we want to look for is a news organization that will follow good journalistic practices, that will do strong fact-checking. And then, you know, we always need to look critically at what we're sharing and what other people have shared. A saying that I find very useful when I'm looking around the internet to learn things and look things up is, you have the right to your own opinions, but you don't have the right to your own facts. So make sure you have a credible source for facts. And one of the things I think we fall prey to is we tend to assume, now this is especially, I think, a a United States kind of an outlook. We think that people who change their mind are sort of weak. Um, We don't necessarily respect people who change their mind or who have changed their mind in the past. But one of the strongest things you can do, especially in an era of change like the one we live in, is change your mind when you're presented with compelling, incredible new evidence. So I think as we approach, you know, any kind of a sensitive or controversial topic, think about that and think about, um, do I hold this position because I always held this this position or is it really supported by what I think is the most credible evidence? My third thought or suggestion on this is really thinking about Take a stand, yes, but take a compassionate stand. Take an empathetic stand. So all of us listening to this podcast are living in this time of really unprecedented diversity that is in very large part supported by the internet, by the fact that it's global and that, you know, these days so many people do have access to be able to get online and so many of the tools are free. And among other things, that means that we're all bumping into each other's conflicting values a lot more often than we used to. So statements that people used to make in private now get made in a kind of quasi-public sphere, Facebook being, you know, one of the more common. Private preconceptions are getting more air than they ever did, and that includes private prejudices. And at the end of the day, I think this is useful. You know, at the end of the day, the more that we're aware of one another and our thoughts and feelings and the good stuff and the not so good stuff, the more we can accept each other and start to work together instead of believing that we're all so different. But on the road to get there, there's a lot of conflict and there's a lot of tension. So it's extremely hard not to dislike and even hate somebody who holds a belief that you really find abhorrent. But I would really recommend that you try, that you try to have compassion and see people as people, even the people who hold beliefs that um, it's you just can't figure out how on earth somebody could think that. For me, it sometimes helps to realize that just about all of us um, have fears that we don't necessarily share, and we're not at our best when we're afraid. And so 
if you can find a way to get to a place where you can see that somebody else is afraid too, even if that's making them behave really poorly, um, a lot of times that can help soften up the antagonism. Now, you may still think their position is completely wrong, and that's fine, um, but to try and be able to have some compassion for the common humanity of the other person, very, very useful when we're entering into these conversations and taking strong positions. Another thought on this um, that I find very interesting looking at, you know, the public discourse and the things people are sharing. So our timelines, you know, on the social platforms are full of messages along the lines of everyone is equal, everyone is good, let's hold hands, let's, you know, be good people together, the good people outweigh the bad. And all of these are very good, beautiful messages of peace and reconciliation, and that's, you know, a great thing. They can also be a rush to help ourselves feel less traumatized while, you know, there's still some pretty active suffering happening. And I've seen this referred to as rushing to kumbaya, which I think is an interesting way to think about it. You know, it's very uncomfortable to think about pain and violence and suffering and, um, it's much preferable to try and think that we're, we're moving through that and past it. But we don't get to move through it and past it until we, you know, kind of recognize the real hurts, the real problems that we face until we can look at the world um, with clear eyes. So we want to have a balance. You know, I think that um, the expressions of unity can sometimes, they, that can be what gives us the courage to keep going and keep working on treating each other well. For me, the dividing line is, am I posting this to mask a problem and help myself feel better because I feel so bummed out by, by a piece of bad news? Or could this encourage people to find that common ground and to um, start to recognize, you know, each other's basic dignity and humanity and do good things together? It's tricky. It is a balance. But I think it's helpful to be aware of that tendency to rush to kumbaya before um, you know, before we've really acknowledged the suffering or the the difficulty that we're that we're all here to talk about in the first place, and I kind of save the big one for last, which is to listen more than you talk, which is generally good advice on the web, in your business, with your family, <laughs> all kinds of situations. This one comes in handy. You know, everybody has a worldview. Every one of us filters all of the things that happens through our worldview. And that is just how human cognition works. It's not about being a bad person or biased or wrong. It's just how our heads are put together. So this starts to get really tricky when something happens significant to a group that you're not part of. So I'm going to pick a ridiculous example so that we can move away from charged examples that, um, that might make it harder to see clearly. So let's say that left-handed people in society are having, um, they're facing a serious challenge. Maybe they're, they're seriously being discriminated against, and you're a right-handed person. Because you're a right-handed person, your worldview, the way that you have always interacted with the world around you, shapes everything that you are seeing the left-handed people having to deal with. You know, So maybe it doesn't seem that bad to you. Or maybe you think that left-handed people should be doing something differently to make the situation better. Or 
if left-handed people did this or if left-handed people did that, then we wouldn't have all of this war on left-handed people. Or you have some left-handed friends and they seem like they're totally fine. So you probably had some labels that you put in there for left-handed and right-handed, you know? You had some associations, some cultural associations, certain kinds of jobs, certain kinds of social constructs, and some of you will, will, will put them one way and some of them will put them the other way. In other words, any, any group of people you can imagine could be in the left-handed side or the right-handed side of that conversation. That kind of thinking happens on both sides of, of all of the debates that we find ourselves in, trivial ones and really serious ones. The point that I would love if you would take away is this. If you're a right-handed person in a particular conversation, spend a lot of time listening to left-handed people before you weigh in with your point of view. Because your initial, you know, strong point of view probably has some bias somewhere that is going to be almost impossible for you to see. And the way the lens that you can use to look at it is just to listen to folks who are on the other side of whatever divide it is that you're facing and and try and absorb their worldview before you step out with your own. Now, we all get into a bit of a rush to, you know, put in our two cents. I am as guilty of this as most people. I might be more guilty of this than most people. I realize that feeling that, you know, Facebook urgently needs you to weigh in on this and and help everybody understand the correct way to look at things. Um, But I will tell you from my own experience and from looking around and watching my friends and watching conversations that the time that you spend listening instead of talking so that you can see as clearly as possible is always time well spent. For me, it comes down to this. If you're going to communicate about anything, anything at all, that's sensitive or controversial to your audience, so this is not just about a political situation or a sociocultural situation. This could be about something very personal but very hot in your topic. You want to do that from a place of a lot of humility. You know, you want to keep looking for the holes in your own argumentation, and you want to keep looking for where your own cognitive bias is shaping what you can see, and see if you can calm that down a little bit to be able to see a wider picture. So I hope this didn't seem like a completely strange thing for us to talk about on this podcast, but constructive communication around differences of opinion and conflict is one of the most important things that we can do. It's important in our families, it's important in our communities, and it is important in our businesses. So again, we have talked a lot in the past on Copyblogger about the power of expressing your values and your content, expressing the values that, that drive you. This kind of conversation where we're talking about values in a context of a a controversial and a sensitive situation, you know, that's that's where we start playing on hard mode. That's where it really starts to get serious. So I have a few examples of people I thought did this well. I will give them to you in the show notes. You can always access those at copyblogger.fm. And if you see an example that you think would be a good addition, something that shows a constructive and well-handled way to talk about something that is um, difficult, and um, stirs a lot of emotion. 
I would be happy to add it to the list. You can leave it in the comments of the episode, which I think would be really wonderful because then later listeners can get the value of it. But you can also, if you like, tweet it to me at Sonia Simone on Twitter. And then finally, I would love to know if you have ever addressed a controversial topic in your own content. And again, this could be a a wider controversy, a social controversy. It could also be something that is controversial in your field that maybe people who are not in your field wouldn't realize is a hot button. So I'd love to know how you've handled it. Um, And if you have an example, that's, that's really wonderful as well. Just let me know in the comments. Thank you all for your time, for your attention, and I'll see you next week. 